Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Making It EV, your podcast about EVs. With you are Jolo, Bernsey, and myself, Nina. So, very exciting. You two recently went on a bit of a test drive of the Nissan Leaf, which is one of the lower-end EVs, I believe, in the market. And you had a chat to Seb, who does this often, apparently, many times. Uh, So, how did it go? I mean, before you went into this EV test drive, what were you expecting? Well, you mentioned it was one of the uh, vehicle at the lower end, so I was expecting... Not a great deal, to be honest. I was expecting a car that wouldn't really be that receptive to acceleration. I was expecting, you know, not not much in the way of quickness or oomph. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I was ex- expecting a, an experience that was pretty similar to driving a normal car. Mm. I, I was expecting less, for sure. Like, <laughs> well, in, even in, less. <laughs> sorry. Not, yeah, like it, it wasn't like, I mean, I wasn't kind of expecting to be in this kind of big upper kind of futuristic car, but I was also expecting, I wasn't expecting to be so similar to an existing car because I was actually expecting it to be kind of a lot more, um, less in front of you, right? Like it's just less dials, less knobs, less buttons, less modes, all that kind of stuff because it's just like get in and go, kind of like a golf car, you know, it's just like simple, but there was actually the same things you would expect in a similar car, but just other electric capabilities. I was quite nervous. Yeah, getting into the car, mm. and, and you tri- were. I was, yeah. Why? I'm not really sure, but I think because there's so much hype and yeah. doing what we're doing is. Oh, I'm there's just this general feel that's different, right? And you're just like, oh, this isn't going to be normal. Um, and so you kind of just get into the driver's seat. Well, I didn't personally. Joel did, but I was in the back seat watching. But it kind of just like watching him, just going like, what happens now? Like, it felt a bit learn to drive, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> like, learning to go on a driving lesson. Yeah. And I was quite nervous, and I was like, both hands on the steering wheel. Yeah. Indicate before well, we get know, to this. It was so You're yeah. doing the old lady drive. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but it's also just like, oh, okay, it's on now. You're like, is it? Because like, <laughs> yeah. you don't hear anything. So you're just like, do, you, do we just go now? Oh, like, interesting. Because there isn't the same sense of... Yeah. Like, yeah. there isn't like a startup, you know? Yeah. It's just like, you just hit a button, and then, all right, let's go. Well, Wheels we- are on. <laughs> We sat in a car and Seb took us through what was in front of us. And there was a few buttons that I had never encountered before. Yeah. And that was quite daunting. Yeah. I can't was, remember what they were. There, there was a few like, what does that do? Yeah. What does that do? And then Seb's just like, okay, I'm just going to take it one at a time. Don't push that yet. Let's take it back. Yeah. Let's not press the eject seat button just yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. I mean, I myself haven't been in the Nissan Leaf, but I've been surprised by ending up in Ubers that have been Teslas. Right. And I haven't realized it's been a Tesla until I've exited the car and I've seen, you know, the, the Tesla mark on, on the back. And I go, oh, oh, that's interesting because, again, it looks very futuristic on the outside, at least the Tesla design. But on the inside, I was like, oh, it just feels like a luxe, nice car, had leather seats. In the back, it didn't feel any different. I wasn't driving it. Um, so, yeah, there's some interesting misconception around thinking you're entering into a spaceship or the reverse, where you thought, is this essentially a Dodgem car? Yeah. I think <laughs> and actually, it works you, quite well. <laughs> I think you expected to be stepping into something different, right? Like, And there's just a general, I guess, popular narrative that this is a different car. But you get in, it's like, oh, it's a car. And, but I think when you get into the detail, you start to be a bit, especially, obviously, being a driver, you need to know the detail. You can't just, you know, set and forget and go off. 
And I think that was surprising with like how deep it can go. All righty. Well, uh, why don't we take a listen and see how your test drive went? All right. So on. Are you ready to uh, I think so, yeah. the adventure? Strap in, get those seatbelts on. Yeah. So this is the ZE1 Nissan yeah. Leaf. And I'm going to show you how to start it, first of all. So it's got pretty much like a normal automatic. You put your foot on the brake yeah. and there's a start button. Keyless, keyless entry, keyless starting. I've got the key in my pocket. Um, few things come on the screen that's about the only way you know it's turned on yeah. and sometimes yeah um, you have to check that it's turned on because you go to walk away and you can't hear the, the engine so <laughs> um, it's uh, you, uh, you try and lock it and it starts beeping at you so it makes a bit of noise beeping in fact some of the some of the noise you can hear when you're driving is actually artificial there's mm. a whining noise and that's for pedestrians right. so you, pedestrians can hear you coming and you can turn that on and off with a button. So the other thing with this gear shift is um, have you heard of regenerative braking? I know the term but yeah. can't say I know. Yeah so regenerative braking is where uh, every time you take your foot off the accelerator of an EV so you're effectively slowing down it charges that puts charge into the battery. Right. And this car has three different modes of regenerative braking. Mm. So depending on how much you're wanting to do that, because some people find it a bit disconcerting, but if you're into saving energy and increasing your range, it's a really good thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and you get quite used to it and not having to use the brake even. Have you um, had a chance to open it up on the freeway? Yes. Yeah, how'd yes. it go? <laughs> it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. Um, especially going from a like, slow speed to, well, for example, this car does uh, 0 to 100 and I think it's about 7.6 seconds. Uh -huh. And it's just this amazing constant, okay. yeah, yeah, turn up yeah. right here. It's this amazing constant acceleration. There's no, you know, even in an automatic, You've got a transmission, you can feel the gears changing yep. in effect. With an EV, it's just continuous acceleration. Wait, hang on a second, did you say zero to 106 seconds? No, 7.6. Oh, 7.6. Yeah. So it's not quite like a, a high-end Tesla will do five seconds and it'll Polestar, um, but yeah, it's not, not really the sort of power you need. I don't think anyone's Most, too worried about that. One, no. 1.6 seconds. Or... Exactly. Yeah. That's no, good, it's got good zest. Um, yeah, how's the feel job? Yeah, it actually feels good. So I drive a hybrid, a Corolla, and yeah. I noticed that it was quite similar in terms of starting off, like, because yeah. that's an EV mode as you start off. So whilst I'm in this drive mode, it feels quite similar to what I have. Mm. Um, and so the eases up very quiet as well, uh, I noticed. And, um, but yeah, I, it's very responsive, I would have to say. Like, when you put your foot down a bit, it actually... Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's fairly moderate. Um, that was good. Yeah, that it's got, was good. It's got good pickup. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's, you notice it more when you're going really slow and then you need to accelerate. <clears throat> but it's hard when you're in a 60 speed yeah, I mean, limit. <laughs> it, just, it takes so little time to get to yeah, the, I'm get there. Impressed. 
That's better than the Corolla, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And even the older model of this has that sort of power yeah. and torque. Um, I feel, and, and this could be due to my car as well, but I feel like I'm sitting a bit higher too. I, I thought that was quite mm. low, the leaf, but... Yeah, you've got you've got the seat adjustment. I, I think it's actually... I've got it quite high at the okay, moment. Okay, right. And there's a little lever on the side. You can pump that down. Yeah, because I, um, I was sort of looking at the SUV range just to get that bit more mm. height off the ground. Mm. Um, but like I a Kona. To, yeah, yeah. Something like, you know, that was the consideration. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, in some ways it's very similar to driving a modern car. Yeah. Um, and some of the people who do test drives with me the, the learning curve is really just about um, some of the features that are in any car now. Yeah. But I think because it's Japanese made, it's got, you know, even though it was, this is a 2017 model, it's got all the features that, that newer cars have. Absolutely. And a lot of people aren't used to. Yeah. And then other than that, um, the rest of the learning curve is, is just about becoming familiar with charging, being aware of your range yeah. and um, yeah. being aware of charging options, yeah. not getting caught out with going to the, the wrong type of charger for what you need yeah. at that point in time. <clears throat> Alright, here's the test. There's a little, mm. We're going up a little hill in a second and I'm going to slow mm. down so I'm almost stopped and I want to see what yeah, kind of... Ready? Yep. Yeah, that is good. And that's with three guys in the car. Yeah. Um, when you're on your own, it's it's got quite a bit more. Yeah, that's fantastic. Pick up. That was a lot more than I thought would be in terms of zest. And yeah. Yeah, I felt it in the back. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are going onto a highway with a 110 speed limit, yeah, it's the real sense of constant acceleration. Yeah. Whereas I think in a manual, especially car, you know, you get that. You get rev up to a certain point, and then you change gears. So yeah. there's there's like even, lost there's lost power when you when you change between gears because you yeah, know, and there's a pause moment. before you get that torque yeah. again. I am impressed by this power. I have to say, mm. the up the up the hill, you don't need much. Yeah, and it just feels very reliable in terms of when you want it, it's there, and it doesn't take too long to kick in either. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's impressive. I was going to say. Now we've uh, gone into B mode. Is my driving style a bit more style? Are you feeling it in the back there, Bernsey? Uh, <laughs> not that I've noticed. But when you do that, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. even B mode, you know, if you want to roll, you, you need to put on the accelerator. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting used to it, so I'm going to try. Oh, I, said, I, <laughs> I was trying to roll into the corner. There, but mm. It's yeah, it's very, very different. I just that the gliding aspect of. What you take, what you've been accustomed to. Yeah. Like I said, with some customers that are finding that it's too much, like they, the whole idea of regenerative braking is a barrier for them, yeah. then I just say, look, put it in D mode, yeah. it'll, then it'll be as much similar to the, to the car, current car as normal. Yeah. yeah. Well, why do you think it would be a, ba a barrier for them? Well, why do you think it, mm. from, from their behavior, like, what, what's what's concerning about it for them? Uh, a lot of people just, oh. especially if they're a bit older and they're, they're 
just not don't want anything that's too different and um, and so they have this concept that that evs are like these mini spaceships and everything's going to be so different that it's overwhelming for them um and even though they've taken the step of coming for a test drive they are still very trepidatious about it all mm. and i get some people who are, are worrying about where the brake pedal is they can't find the brake even though it's exactly where it is right. in their car they're, they're, they're just get a bit overwhelmed by the by the perceived newness right so there's this preconceived mm. idea around what they're what they're stepping into Mm. rather than the reality which exactly. is often very similar to what they already do yeah and so for those people um, teaching them about regenerative braking sometimes is too much like they, yeah. that's too much of a learning curve yeah too um, steep yeah. yeah and so for, for them it's about keeping it simple and those bells and whistles are about maximizing range and and being energy efficient but it's not strictly necessary yeah. you're still doing a good thing by having an ev and driving it like you would any car so this is a 40 kilowatt an hour battery correct uh, and that you know roughly speaking what would that give you in terms of mm, range yeah um, 200 to 230 yep so 200 being on a highway going at 110 um, because yep because there's no regenerative braking that's that's mostly the reason why the range is lower on the highway uh, it's also about aerodynamics and wind resistance which is true for any car um, it's interesting when you when you have an EV you become much more energy conscious yeah. and um, more more aware but any car you drive you will use more fuel if you're going over a hundred over 100 kilometers an hour yeah or even apparently 80 kilometers is a bit of the sweet spot. You'll use more fuel, but there's very few people who drive more conservatively so that they don't use as much petrol, even though using petrol is not a good thing. Yeah. Um, so in an EV, well, a lot of people are more conscious of, of, how, of their range and how much energy they're using. So, yeah, and we, you know it more clearly that when you're on the highway going fast, um, you will have a lower range. Yeah. Um, but when you're doing in the city, not driving as fast, with regenerative braking, your range will go up to 230. Uh, when this car's fully charged, it will tell you you've got 230 um, kilometers. Mm -hmm. And it's managing range anxiety is just about having the knowledge of understanding uh, how long it's going to take well, in terms of kilometers um, is, is the easiest way knowing how far you've got to travel and and managing it that way and the next component is is understanding charging yeah. and you know to be perfectly honest when I when I first started driving this car and I had it um, at home for a few months I got caught out a couple of times because I didn't know quite enough and I would look on PlugShare and go oh I'm gonna stop at this charger at the supermarket on the way home because I'm getting really low and not realizing that, that type of charger 
will only charge the car at a, you know at about 12 kilometers of range per hour um, whereas I assumed it was a like a fast charger effectively right and that doesn't take long to learn what the different types of charges are and what you need for different situations um, so if you know if you are going on a longer trip and you do need to charge the car from say 20% to up to 80% and you want to do it in half an hour you will need a fast charger but once you know that you can easily find a fast charger using an app mm-hmm. and and go there and, and do it um, so yeah range anxiety can be managed through knowledge knowledge overcomes that anxiety so a bit of pre-meditation pre-thinking mm. through it yeah and when you have a an older an older car with not a lot of range you can overcome that by just by planning ahead and having that knowledge um, you know the people who say oh I need an EV yeah I need an EV with 500 kilometers range it's really just it's sort of a, t- a form of laziness <laughs> you know <laughs> they just want to be able to drive halfway to Brisbane yeah maybe. without doing anything yeah just get in and go yeah and not worry about it yeah but you know driving it it's not actually that hard to stop for 20 minutes and top up your your battery and and still get 500 kilometers mm. I don't think we covered oh that one yeah that's the park that's button and then that one to turn it off do I have yeah don't need to put in the brake yeah was it? That was excellent. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was, no, honestly, really, I was impressed by the. I mean, mentally, I coming into this, I thought, ah, oh, the Leafs not going to have much guts in it. <laughs> not going to have much to mm. it, and I think that could be the deal breaker for me. Mm. Uh, but I have been pleasantly surprised. Uh, it's very similar in a lot of ways to my Corolla, but um, the better, I'd have to say. I feel higher up feel like it drove well I feel like there's plenty of space too like it's actually mm. uh, quite it's good and yeah to get your um, golf clubs and all the rest <laughs> in the back uh, and get I, a nine foot male in here get, what have you, you yep. put a surfboard in yeah yep. excellent well that's the other thing that occasionally needs to go in and so uh, you, you know you got to think about all those logistics of life and being able to uh, plan around. yeah but I've been really impressed the only thing that I I uh, the heads-up display is quite good in my other car, so that's mm. the only thing that's missing. But um, apart from that, I'd have to say really good. All right, so that was your test drive of the Nissan Leaf with Seb. Uh, what did you learn after all that? I mean, did your initial sort of misconceptions come true, or totally? Really? Yeah, no, or not like, for me, it was, there was how much, there was actually a lot that I didn't know. Like actually realizing there were so many more questions that I had about the actual ongoing experience of driving an EV that it's not like it was all solved in my head, you know, it says, oh, that's how it works. Um, so that was that, but, but also just thoroughly impressed, like for, for, for a, a kind of budget option 
for EVs, it still had like an incredible amount of power. I was just like, I was in the back seat. I wasn't even, I hadn't even, didn't have my foot on the pedal, but um, I was kind of had that, that rush where you just kind of get pushed back into your seat as you, as you zip off. You're like, wow, that was, that was hectic. Yeah, um, sorry, Bernsey. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that bit. That was the biggest takeaway for me was the power and the oomph because we, it was a bit of an older, it was, might have been 2020 or 2019 in terms of the yeah. model we, we went into. So it had a few Ks on it, but the the receptiveness of when you put your foot down was incredible. And so that actually, I'm like, I really want to drive a Tesla now. I really want to drive like, yeah. the next thing that sort like of level step up. up. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> if that's where, if that's what the Nissan Leaf can do, holy moly, there must be some pretty amazing yeah. EV you know, cars out there. That's interesting because obviously, you know, people who are rev heads or who love driving cars, like they really enjoy that experience. I think some of the issues with EVs or all the misconceptions are that, oh, it's not going to feel as fun. I'm not going to get that sense of power and that, that, you know, bit of dopamine hit. But it sounds like you can still get that rush driving regardless whether it's an EV or an ice car. Totally. Yeah. Well, I drive that Corolla across the road, we can all say it, mm. which is the hi- hybrid. It's not a plug-in hybrid, but it has got no guts. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a Toyota and it's just, it, you know, doesn't have much Interesting, off, because off it's a it. hybrid? I think so, yeah. yeah. I think how the system or the engine's set up and you really, you're going up a hill or you just want to get a bit of acceleration and it does not give it to you. And that's kind of one drawback of that car. And so I suppose mentally I was associating like good for the planet, it's gonna be slow. I don't know. But it was it was anything but it was really Enjoyable. amazing. That yeah. that's really interesting. That idea of of if something is eco friendly, has quality been compromised? in that process. And I think, I mean, this is slightly tangential to cars, but, you know, even when we look at some of those sort of bamboo cutleries and paper straws, like the quality of that straw is awful Mm. because it's paper versus the plastic that we're used to. So that experience, yeah, that experience of like eco materials are still a little bit iffy. It's a little bit hit and miss around what actually, you know, gives us the, the experience that we want and the quality that we want while also being good for the environment. Yeah, you got you feel like you got to compromise, right? Like, oh, okay, look, look, it's there might be a lesser product, but what you're consciously doing is making sure that it's better for the environment, right? But it was such the opposite when with this car, it was it was like, wow, this is just better all round. Like, I don't, it's kind of a win-win in the mind. Um, I think the only, I guess, like it wouldn't be, um, you know. To take another link, uh, another lens at it, or another angle, is that the things that I kind of found negative about it was just the complexity of different modes, different things, different buttons, and different ways it works. Um, it, it is it when you delve under the detail a little bit more, you do recognise that it is a different type of car, and it does take a different mindset to to drive and to maintain. Um, and I mean, Seb even kind of pointed that out really clearly during the drive. Like some people really get into the detail and figure out how to do it. Some people are just really overwhelmed by all the differences and like, no, I just, I just want to get in and drive. I don't want to know all that stuff. Mm. And yeah, I was actually really surprised by, for something that's still low, like low budget, how many modes and functions and, and settings you can apply 
to a car. Bells and whistles. Bells and whistles, mm. yeah, a, more, a lot, but also like opportunities to actually, you know, make that car run longer mm. or be more efficient or, you know, really use the technology to its fullest. One of the biggest differences was regenerative. Oh my goodness, I can't. Yeah. It's the hardest word to say. Regenerative. <laughs> regenerative braking. Yep. We have to all practice yep. that word. Like, I, I, I was practicing out, outside of the, um, before we got on here. But that was really different. So, as Bernsey talked about, like the modes. So, this mode, and it is a mode, you don't have to be in it. But what happens is if. You take your foot off the accelerator, the car will brake. Mm. And so that is a very different way to drive, whereas I'm used to using a coast kind of mode. So I will take my foot off the accelerator as I'm coming into a corner. So I won't it's neutral, necessarily, right? Yeah. A little bit. You're yeah. sort of rolling in neutral, whereas in that mode, regenerative braking mode, it'll stop straight away. Um, and that, why it's doing that, that's actually helping feed the battery, um, hence why it's got mm, that name. Mm. So that was quite different, I found. And I was, it was hard for me, actually, like even simple things like turning the corner, you have to have a few more weeks of that to really nail that um, as, a, as a mode. But that was different to a normal car. But that's that's an option. Option. Yeah. So if someone is like, look, I, I don't want to mess with how I drive, and yeah. that's a learning curve, they yeah. don't have to. They can just get in and drive as usual. Exactly. That, that actually does remind me of a Dodgem car. Yeah. Where you take your foot off the Dodgem pedal and the car stops. Yes, yeah, you just stop. <laughs> Which is really interesting because Dodgem cars are run on electricity. Hmm. So there you go. But also, like, and it, as Seb explained it, and it was really a poignant example of the power of it because he was saying that he would – go on long drives and if he had a certain battery capacity at the top of a mountain, so to speak, and he would put on regenerative braking and then go down that mountain. So essentially just go down a hill, uh, a very big hill, but he would essentially just kind of only tap the accelerator when he needed to. The rest of the braking uh, was done regeneratively and he actually, by the time he got to the bottom of the mountain, he had more in his battery than when he was at the top, you know? So it's it's a powerful thing when you think about how it can accumulate a savings in terms of how far the car can go, how much energy that you need to put into it. Like I think that that's a it was a really really interesting concept to understand, and it that's for like a, a very kind of straightforward car, right? This is the, still the lower end of the budget, and then you think about other techniques and other settings and bells and whistles that can improve that. Mm. Um, it's it's a very new kind of frontier, I guess, of, of driving um, that a lot of people may not be aware of. One pedal driving is what yeah. it's nicknamed as. It's for those that can't say regenerative. Yeah. <laughs> Which is all of us <laughs> in this room. <laughs> I mean, that that is interesting when we look at, you know, the, the, the cost of fuel and you know, oil crises across the world and the fact that you can repower your car by driving it more and in certain ways, that could be very appealing very quickly for a lot of people who are budget conscious. You know, once you put down that big amount of money for the actual car itself, the payoff over time is going to matter a lot more. And, you know, knowing that you can save some dollar dollar bills, yo. But also, (laughs) and a a bit of a plug for an upcoming episode too, is that, um, and you would have heard this in the, in the, the test drive is that one of the greatest challenges that 
um, Seb told us about that from doing a lot of these test drives and talking to a lot of people, um, one of the biggest challenges is getting your head around charging and, and how does charging work? What should you do when? How do you understand, you know, the capacity of your battery versus what the charge's output is going to be? And, you know, it's not, it's not as simple as what we might understand a combustion engine to be, which is like, oh, there's a certain amount of liters in a certain amount of tank, just fill her up. You know, um, this is a much more complex. And so we thought, okay, well, let's unpack that a bit more. So we're gonna we're gonna dive a bit deeper into that in a in, a, in an upcoming episode. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a, a good one to look at, and it it talks a little bit more about different lifestyles that people have, whether you're an apartment dweller, homeowner. City, rural, urban, it doesn't matter. There's different ways and different things you have to do to charge those cars. So, yeah, stick around for that one. That's next. I think that's the next episode coming up. Yeah, potentially. All righty. Well, that's it for episode six of Making It EV. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with someone who will find it interesting. We are Nina, Jolo, and Bernsey. You can always find out more on our website, makingitev.com. And please follow us on Instagram for some extra content, making underscore it underscore EV. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy. Happy driving. Happy driving.